Well, good morning, church family, and uh, it's just good to be with you. Um, if this is your first Sunday here at Windsor Road, my name is Randy, and it's just a privilege to have you here as our guest, and we hope you just see Jesus today. Um, welcome to Windsor Road Christian Church. Uh, uh, we're in a series of messages called Modern Families, and I uh, was just so encouraged by our Family Life Minister's uh, message last week, Jason Weatherhold. He uh, taught uh, uh, on the big idea of if we are going to help our children work on their issues, we're going to have to work on our issues. We're going to have to work on our issues if we're going to effectively parent toward their issues. And this truth really comes into play this morning as we consider uh, the, uh, the task of uh, co-parenting your child with your former spouse. That's what I want to talk about today. Now, I've uh, been privileged to serve here at Windsor Road for almost 24 years, and uh, I have never taught an entire message on this. I think to uh, my disadvantage and to our congregation's disadvantage. And I was thinking about, well, why is that? And, well, here's the deal. Uh, us pastor types, we don't, we don't want to be misunderstood about something like divorce. We don't want to, we don't want to give the impression that we're laissez-faire about divorce and so forth. So we, so we let our fear overrule um, the importance of speaking biblical truth to this parental reality. And I don't want to do that. I want us to talk about how do we co-parent our children in a way that pleases Christ with our former spouse. Um, now, if you want to know what we believe and teach about divorce and remarriage, I would encourage you to uh, get on the internet and go to iTunes, go to the iTunes store, and there in the search bar, just type in Windsor Road Christian Church. That's where we host uh, our sermon podcasts. And go to January 13th, 2013. It's a message titled One Flesh. It's when we were journeying through the gospel of Mark. And that message, uh, I believe, is uh, uh, very biblically grounded and uh, graciously shared message about divorce and remarriage. I don't want to answer the question, what do you believe about divorce and remarriage today? I want to answer the question, how do I effectively co-parent my child with my former spouse? And what I hope is uh, that you, you will hear some biblical truth shared uh, in Christian grace by a brother in Christ who just loves you deeply. That's, that's really what I want uh, for today, and that's what I hope that you hear. That's what I hope the tone of our lesson is today. And frankly, I haven't always had that tone when it comes to this. I haven't always had that tenor, that attitude. But then something happened that changed me. 
my parents divorced. After 31 years of marriage, uh, they split up. I was 27 at the time. It was one week before we moved here to Champaign. Our older son was about eight months old, and I found out that their 31-year marriage was dying, and it eventually ended. And uh, my father has since remarried, and uh, he has been uh, uh, married to my stepmom now for over 20 years. And after my folks divorced and after his remarriage, my father was kind of distant, distant geographically. He left the country uh, due to work and moved to Saudi Arabia. Uh, He was in the oil business. And so I only saw him once every one or two years for the next 16 years. And so there was distance there. Uh, My mother went through seasons of disappointment, seasons of a crisis of confidence, anxiety, um, hurt, uh, anger, and then processed through and made peace with her new reality, and uh, she's doing quite well. Um, About six years ago, my parents began a new chapter in their relationship, a chapter which I will describe them as being cooperative colleagues, cooperative colleagues. And it started on Thanksgiving. Uh, We were all invited to my older brother's home, and we gathered there, my older brother, his family, my younger brother, his family. Um, I remember driving down to Tulsa from Champaign with uh, um, uh, our two sons, Uh, Sarah had to be with uh, her mother, who was very ill at the time, so she was not able to come to Tulsa with us. And then my dad and my stepmom was there, and then my mom was there around the Thanksgiving table. And I just wasn't sure how that was going to turn out. And, um, And I just wasn't sure how I felt about that. You see, I'm a recovering legalist. Yeah, and but you know it was just wonderful. It was just a wonderful meal, and it kind of, at least as I see it, initiated and inaugurated a just a, a chapter, a new season in their relationship between my mom and my dad that I would call their being cooperative colleagues to the degree that now here five or six years later, um, well, uh, Christmas of 2011. So just a little over a year ago, Christmas 2011, uh, we went back down to Tulsa and shared Christmas with them. The day after Christmas, we all, and I mean all, went to J.C. Penney's for photographs. And here they are. Now, um, there's my mom, there's my dad, uh, Robbie, Randy, Ricky. Okay. Next picture. Uh, there's, and then there's my dad and uh, his wife, my stepmom. And then, next picture is, that's the whole Bolting House clan. So uh, my uh, younger brother's uh, uh, wife and family, my older brother, his wife, and then his mother-in-law, that's Nancy, uh, there in the, uh, the pink sweater. And then uh, there's uh, uh, Rick's daughter, um, and, then, uh, um, and then, of course, Brandon and uh, 
Oh, and then my mom is holding Isaac. Oh, he's the promised grandchild. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I mean, not a Sunday goes by when I talk to my mom that I hear something about what Isaac did. Oh, you know. <sighs> really? But I, I'm doing okay with that. Anyway, so I just want you to know that. All right, so. Anyway, but that's, that's, that's our family. And... Um, now listen, my goal in this message is not to try to get you to J.C. Penney's, okay? All right? Yeah, <laughs> y'all relaxed? On? Okay. All right. Someone just heaved a sigh of relief. Good. That's, that's really not my goal because that's my story, okay? That's my story. And one of the things that we learn when we're talking about co-parenting with your former is everybody's got a different story, and every, there's just a, there's, and and what we learn too is uh, that uh, um, this co-parenting is not something that ends with like a child's graduation. See, the co-parenting then kind of becomes co-grandparenting, and so uh, this idea of being a cooperative colleague is really important, and that's really what we're aiming for in our message about co-parenting with your former spouse, being a cooperative colleague. That's not my terminology. That is a phrase that was coined by a researcher who did work on examining the different kinds of former spousal types and discovered at least five, five main spousal former spousal relationship types, beginning with perfect pals. Uh, This describes a couple. They are divorced, but they have high communication with one another, high interaction. They consider themselves very, very good friends. They speak on the phone once, probably twice a week, and they're very, very interested in each other's lives, even after the divorce. A uh, very small percentage of the pool fit into this, okay? And I met this particular couple type years ago at a wedding that I officiated. Um, there at the reception, I was uh, sipping on my punch. I got into a conversation with a gentleman, and we talked pleasantly for a while. And then I said to him, you know, I noticed you really get along well. I noticed you laughing, and just uh, you seem to be really good friends with uh, the bride. I said, do you work with the bride? How do you know her? And the guy said, oh, I used to be married to her. <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> And, you know, that was about when I was swallowing my uh, punch. And, you know, and so after I kind of cleaned myself off, um, the guy said to me, yeah, Randy, he said, yeah. I said, we got along really well before the wedding. And uh, we've gotten along really well after the divorce. It's that middle part that didn't work out too well. (laughs) And perfect pals, all right? That's really not what we're shooting for today either. So I don't, I'm not trying to send you to J.C. Penney's, and I'm not, you know, selling the Perfect Pals label. But I do want us to talk about cooperative colleagues, because cooperative colleagues, um, they would not call themselves best friends by any means. They do communicate a high level of communication, high level of interaction. What's distinct about this particular couple type is that uh, they are intent to the very best that they possibly can to compartmentalize 
to compartmentalize and set aside past marital stuff and focus on the parental relationship pertaining to the children. And um, when that doesn't happen and there's heat and emotion, that moves us to an angry associate style. And in the angry associate style, uh, that's, there's low communication, low interaction. What interaction there is is typically argumentative. And uh, the couple or the individual in the angry associates uh, dynamic, they just aren't, they're just either they cannot or they choose not to compartmentalize. And discussions end up being arguments. And then w- when that is really severe, it looks like a fiery foe dynamic. And a fiery foe dynamic, there's just no communication without a third party. And that third party might be a friend. Uh, it might be a lawyer. Um, and, and in worst case scenarios, it's a child. And when a child ends up being a mediator between mom and dad who are fiery foes, that is not healthy for the child at all. And so, uh, and then uh, there's the dissolved duo. And really in that scenario, one of the spouses has just left or moved, and it's really not a two-household situation. It's just a single-parent situation. And so... Five couple types. I bring this up. Where are you? Where are you when you think about your relationship with your former? Well, let me put it this way. Where are you in your relationship to your spouse if you happen to be married right now? See, these are types that, you know, get us thinking about how we relate to our spouses if we're married. And, and, and what I've learned is that these are not fixed types. So someone might be a cooperative colleague, uh, they might be married to someone who's an angry associate. Or you might be an angry associate, but you're not always an angry associate. If you realize that and you want to seek change and you want to seek to change yourself, then you can become a cooperative colleague. And so this is kind of fluid depending upon the wisdom and the choices that, that we make. And so... So I was thinking about what scriptures might best inform us toward healthy communication and interaction with our former spouses in a way that would reflect being a cooperative colleague. And how might the word of God speak to us toward that? And I thought of Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Colossians chapter 3, and I want to read some verses between Colossians 3, 1 through 14. You'll find that, uh, you'll find that in your church Bibles on page 984, page 984. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own and you'd like a copy, please feel free to take uh, one of those church Bibles, and you can call it your own. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is God's word. As I was thinking about the importance of cooperative parenting, and as I was thinking about these verses, this biblical wisdom from Colossians chapter 3, just synthesizing this seems to bring out this main lesson that I want us to consider this morning, and it's this. Being in Christ, that is being a Christ follower, following Jesus, speaking like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, responding like Jesus, being in Christ empowers me to co-parent cooperatively in a way that pleases Christ. Being in Christ empowers me to co-parent cooperatively in a way that pleases Christ. Now, I want you to notice in this lesson here today, there's some relationships that we need to deal with here. There's our relationship with Christ. There's our relationship with our children. And then there's our relationship with our former spouse. And I want to talk about those relationships as they pertain to this being in Christ empowers me to co-parent cooperatively in a way that pleases Christ. And let's first begin with Christ. Being in Christ empowers me. Now you'd probably expect a pastor like me to say something like that. We're in church. Our Bibles are open. Yes. Yes. And you have also said that too. You see, I've been receiving input from several of you uh, pertaining to this very message. And one of the themes that came up uh, again and again was how important one's relationship with God was to make all of the difference. In fact, one of you told me this. God's direction guided how I approached and handled all the circumstances in my divorce and in parenting my children. That's huge. And that's why I find encouragement in Paul's words from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, and then uh, verse 3 says, for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Right now, Right now, in that co 
parenting dynamic. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul instructs us that believers, Christians, disciples, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. In Jesus, he chose us. In Jesus, we have redemption and forgiveness. In Jesus, we've been lavished with grace. In Jesus, we've obtained an inheritance. In Jesus, we've been given his Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, who when he inhabits your life, he occupies your life and influences you and leads you toward his fruit, his produce, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Qualities which are paramount in a co-parenting relationship or a parenting relationship or any relationship. Being in Christ empowers me. And let me just say, this biblical truth makes a world of difference when it comes to co-parenting with your former. And here's why. Beneath the Sunday surface smiles of, I'm okay, everything's okay, it's all good. Beneath that surface lurk anxieties and questions and doubts such as, did my divorce cause me to be second class in God's eyes? Does he love me less because of my past How am I going to deal with the guilt? How am I going to deal with the hurt? How am I going to deal with the anger? How am I going to muster the strength and energy for this exhausting task of parenting? How am I going to handle the loneliness? And and church family makes a huge difference in your outlook and to your soul if the lens through which you see yourself and God, and others, and your former, it makes a huge difference when you know, and believe, and trust, and lean on the truth of Scripture. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a biblical truth. And we need to hear that. We need to be reminded of the truth of Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? We need to hear the truth of Romans chapter 8, verse 39. Nothing else, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You believe that? I mean, some of us have been listening to the evil one who wants us to think that when we parted ways with our former, we parted ways with the love of God. And Romans 8, 39 tells us otherwise. Nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, you need to hear that. You need to hear that, and your children need to see that. They need to see that in your life. One parent put it this way. After my divorce, I realized I had to get on with my stability. Isn't that an interesting way to put it? Not I had to get on with my life. I had to get on with my stability. 
Your children need to see that you're getting on with your stability. They need to see you smile and laugh. They need to see you play and snuggle and tickle, and they need to know that you're okay. And yes, if it is a hard, difficult, lousy, rotten day, then say that. This is a hard, difficult, lousy, rotten day, sweetheart, but I know that God is in control and he is taking care of us. Your children need to see hope alive in you. That's what I mean when I say being in Christ empowers me. Question, are you in Christ? Being in Christ empowers me. That's my relationship with Jesus. Empowers me to co-parent. Now we're talking about our relationship with the child. Co-parent, what's that look like? What's that look like? Well, I, I'd like for you to remember an acronym by an author named Tammy Daughtry in a book that she's written called Co-Parenting Works. Co-Parenting Works, I'd recommend it. It's the acronym TEAM. TEAM. The end adult matters most. The end adult matters most. And Tammy Daughtry encourages us to think ahead, think into the future, look into the future, think about your child's future, think about what's going to go on 20 years from now, 20 years from now, what will he be like as an adult, what do you envision about her career, what kinds of responsibilities do you see them with two decades from now, what about their emotional maturity, what about their gifts and talents and abilities, where do you see that playing out in their lives, do you see them having graduated from university, graduate school, Trade school, the military, do you see them being a skilled homemaker? Do you see them pursuing a career with passion and excitement? Do you see them getting their first full-time job with benefits? What kind of future do you see for your children? Now then, what type of training best produces an adult that can handle those responsibilities and challenges? That's what I mean when I say the end adult matters most. We're talking about Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when, uh, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Now, unfortunately... Some have misinterpreted that verse to mean, well, if I just kind of get my kid in Sunday school for enough Sundays, they'll just sort of become, you know, inoculated from, you know, the evil in this world, and they'll turn out okay when they're old. That's not what Proverbs 22, 6 says. You see, literally, that phrase, train up a child in the way he should go, it's literally train up a child According to his or her way. That is the way in which your child is to spend his or her life. So whatever vocation your child is to later follow, that child needs preparation. Because that's when the habits form which affect their, their, their conduct later on in life. The end adult matters most. Your child's way refers to a particular bent, a particular way of doing something, 
a special way in which something was designed. So in archery, the arrow flies a particular trajectory based upon the bow's bent. And if you try to bend the bow differently than the way it is bent, at best you'll miss the target, at worst you'll break the bow. So our children are not just empty buckets to be filled or lumps of clay to be molded by our, you know, uh, the parent's straight jacket agenda. God created your child with a particular individual bent, a set of gifts for his purposes. And God wants parents to recognize the bent in their children's lives and educate and train and mentor toward that. And in order to do that, we must study our children. We must research them and know them and understand them. And what that means in terms of your relationship with your former is this. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about your children. It's not about your past. It's about your children's future. And that means realizing that although the marital relationship has ended, the parental relationship will continue even beyond graduation. And so regarding your former spouse, that means resisting the temptation to get caught up in the ghost of marriage past. It means setting aside previous marital pain and disappointment. It it means making a decision that you're not going to push your former's emotional buttons or let yourself be affected should they choose to push yours. It means shaking off some things, even if it's hurtful to you, it's not hurtful to the child, so just let it go. And it means keeping the focus on the children, even if that means you are unfairly treated. And here is where we get to the wisdom of Colossians 3.14, and above all these put on love. And someone has defined Christian love as this. Love is a commitment of the will to the true good of the other person. A commitment of the will to the true good of the other person. And and so one parent said to me, Randy, sometimes that meant sacrificing my share of time with our child because our child needed the other parent at that particular point in time, you see. And, uh, and another parent said to me, Randy, that, that meant reacting with as little emotion as possible except the emotion of love for my child. It, it means giving thoughtful, intentional humility in co-parenting with my former Being in Christ empowers me to co-parent because of my focus is on the child, training that child according to his or her way, his or her bent. All right? Well, let's get really practical here because how how does that work in terms of your relationship with your former well, being in Christ empowers me to, cooper- to co-parent cooperatively in a way that pleases Christ. And so, so let's consider what cooperative colleagues know and let's consider what cooperative colleagues do. First, here's what cooperative colleagues know. Cooperative colleagues know that in this situation, 
Their children are really living their lives in two countries. Your children hold dual citizenship. Your country and your former's country. Your roof and their roof. Your rules and their rules. It's a a binuclear family. Two countries. Dual citizenship. So the parenting team needs to help each child thrive and enjoy each country. And so invariably, there'll be the question, well, what if the rules or the laws in my home differ from the rules or laws where my former lives? What should I do? And the answer to that question is, well, that depends on your diplomacy and how you cooperate as an ambassador. I mean, think about it for just a minute. In the United States, we drive on the right side of the road. It's what we do. Fly over to England, and you're going to drive on the left side of the road. That's what they do. And if you go back and forth between these two countries regularly, after a while, you're going to get acclimated. That's just the way it is. That's just reality, all right? And, and, uh, you know, it's doable, especially because our countries are at peace with one another. But can you imagine what travel would be like between these two countries if we were at war? You know, heading over to the other side, you know, would be considered an act of treason. And, and then once you get there, you know, all you hear the entire time is just how awful the other country it was because of their wartime tactics. Now, how pleasant of a visit is that? So in the same way, our children live in two countries, and they go back and forth. And once the territory is familiar, they will adjust between households. And so, you know, you may need to remind Johnny, Johnny, you may be able to play before homework at your dad's, but here you need to finish it first. That's our country. And and you know what? It would be nice. Hey, listen, it would be great if, you know, uh, our fellow human beings in England would just drive the way we do because, because we drive on the right side of the road. See, it would, it, you know, but they're not, that's not going to happen, is it? And while it would be nice for your former to honor your parental restrictions and discipline and punishment for the children, it's just not realistic for you to demand that they do. And when formers begin to be demanding, that's when they start arguing and fighting and trying to change each other. And one of the insanities of divorce is, you know, trying to change someone from whom you are divorced, even though you couldn't change him while you were married. And when one parent then begins to speak negatively about the child's other biological parent, the child will in invariably internalize. And when a child hears their parent attacked in some way, that child feels attacked, you know? Your dad's late again. He can be so irresponsible. That cuts the child. And, and you know what? If that child is ever late, then she'll know how you feel about her. And this negative criticism is an invitation to the child to agree with you and to take sides. And children hate doing that, don't they? Listen, your child has enough love in his heart for both of you. They do. 
And in order for them to respect their parent, you need to show respect. You still model relationship dynamics, whether you're married or not, and your children are watching how you get along with their parent. All right? Someone once said, when elephants fight, the grass suffers. So cooperative colleagues know that life is lived in two countries. That's the reality. So then what do they do? Well, here's, here's what they do. And this is where you really helped me with this. Uh, one of the best pieces of wisdom that I received was the importance of regular business meetings with your former. It's, it's just one of those best practices where you sit down with your former apart from the children and you talk about the children. You talk about their lives, and you talk about their schedules and activities. And again, in Tammy Daughtry's book, Co-Parenting Works, uh, she provides a recommended agenda. And it's a short agenda. I've made a copy of this, and I've got it out on the resource table, uh, just out in the foyer by the books. Uh, Five-part agenda. Number one, schedules, school activities, teachers' meetings, award ceremonies, uh, extracurricular activities or sports, upcoming holidays, vacations, other special events, uh, uh, parent travel or other conflicts. Do adjustments to the schedule need to be made? Uh, then there's discipline. Just because you, you know, don't expect your former to adopt your restrictions doesn't mean you can't communicate to your former, what's been going on, and behaviors that may be of cause for concern or methods of discipline that you found that either were working or were not. Maybe there are some books that you want to share with your former about um, uh, parenting. Number three, finances related to the needs of the children. Number four, life details, whether that's school or friends or uh, how their emotional life is. Any red flags there? What about their medical or physical concerns, uh, their overall health, diet, exercise, their spiritual life, uh, their extended family, grandparents, their life routine, homework, bedtime, chores, their internet usage, Um, uh, other electronic devices, iPods, cell phones, computer, uh, other cultural media, movies, uh, music, books, uh, cars, if they're driving, and uh, repairs, budget for gas, and then just other. And then uh, next meeting date, time, and location. So just a few observations. Um, Don't get hung up on who sets the agenda. You just bring the items that you're interested in. And, and, and don't, you know, it's not going to do any good for you to be frustrated. Well, I bring my stuff. They don't bring their stuff. Don't worry about that. You just worry about your stuff. And you're not there to talk about your personal life, really. You're there to talk about the children. And if it turns away from the children, uh, redirect and keep it about the children and, and communicate and communicate and communicate. And someone just told me this morning um, how helpful any time they communicated with their former, whether they picked up the phone, or whether they met, they prayed. Oh, God. And here's the prayer. The prayer is not, God, change them. But God, change me. Empower me. Strengthen me. You, that's the only person you can change, okay? You, <laughs> the only person you can change is you, okay? Now, 
someone may be thinking, yeah, well, I'm trying to be a cooperative colleague, but my former is just a fiery foe. That's just who they are. And what am I supposed to do with that? And well, and I asked one of our parents that. Um, what if they are a fiery foe? And I got these questions as a response. Uh, well, Randy, how fiery? Uh, what exactly is the issue? Uh, is, the, is the child actually being endangered? Okay? And to what extent is a, the written agreement being violated? All right? See, in many cases, you may be choosing to be a cooperative colleague, but your former may be choosing to be a fiery foe just because they just want to make life hard for you. And you must choose not to return fire. And you're going to choose not to return fire because your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've read Colossians chapter 3. You're prepared. And so you are businesslike and you have an agenda and you have a script and you stick to it. And so the phone rings and you answer the phone and you hear your fiery former say I can't believe you forgot to send Jennifer's Halloween costume we're going to be late she's crying and once again you're irresponsible when are you going to grow up now you're going to be tempted to fire back but you're not going to do that because your life is hidden in Christ with God and you've read Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 put on then God as God's chosen one holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness and patience And so you're going to say, I know it's a pain. I'm sorry. Do you want me to bring it over or do you want to come over here and pick it up? You're going to focus on a solution. You're not going to be defensive. And next time, don't forget the costume. Right? Let's say that you say to Johnny, Johnny, we need homework before TV. And Johnny says, but dad lets me watch TV before homework. You don't have to say, well, that's because your dad likes to watch TV all the time. He's such a couch potato, blah, blah. Don't go there. Don't focus on dad's house. You stick to yours. That may be, Johnny, that may be true in, in that country, but you're in this country now. And in this country, homework comes first. And you may even need to call Johnny's dad for more information, right? And when you do, you don't say, well, I can't believe you let him watch TV before doing his homework. That's picking a fight. Don't go there. You say, hi, my life is now hidden in Christ with God. <laughs> I'm calling for information. Johnny said, you let him watch TV first before homework. I was just trying to see if this is true, if this is true, or if he's just trying to get away with something. And you might get from the other end of the phone, yeah, I just figured he needed to unwind And you respond with, okay, thank you. Or you might get, well, hey, he's tired. He's just a kid. I don't want him to burn out. Why should he have to do that anyway? Why, what are you, some kind of tiger mom or what? What's going on? And then you say, okay, thank you. (laughs) And you can, you can do that. You know why? Because your life is hidden in Christ with God. That's why, see? Arguing will not get you anywhere with your former. Did it get you anywhere when you were married? Cooperative colleagues understand that conflict containment starts with verbal discipline. Holy Spirit-empowered speech control 
And cooperative colleagues refuse to allow past marital stuff to spoil their ability to parent the child they share. And cooperative colleagues, because their lives are hidden in Christ with God, they are able to say to their children, I give you permission to love your father or love your mother. I just want you to. I want you to do that. In fact, one mother put for her four-year-old a picture of dad on the refrigerator. And the four-year-old sees dad and smiles and the mom encourages that. Someone put it to me this way. Randy, it's the question of what kind of a relationship do I need to have now so that I can have a relationship that I want later. And I'm thinking of Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. All. That includes your former. Being in Christ empowers me to co-parent cooperatively in a way that pleases Christ. That's the word for today. I'm going to be up here with our elders after services. And would you please let us encourage you? Some of you are doing remarkably well. You really are. And we want to encourage you toward that. And um, for those of you who may feel like you're struggling, we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you. You see, when by the power of Christ you parent cooperatively, You then reenact the life of Christ. You relive Jesus' life and sacrifice. And you help others see the living, loving Jesus. Others like your children. They see that and it changes them. And so the scriptures say, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Shall we pray?